Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the FPL Hangover podcast where we raise the bar and lower the tone of things FPL related. We're coming to you live after game week 5. It is the 19th of October and if you're checking this out on YouTube make sure to hit the subscribe button, any likes, same if you're if you're checking us out on any audio platforms, like, subscribes all the way, it makes a massive difference folks. But let's get down to it. Game week 5 was another week with goals galore, so much so that if this FPL season was a Motley Crue song, it would be called Goals, Goals, Goals. You can have that one, folks. You're welcome. Take it home. Share it with your loved ones and your families. Speaking of loved ones, though, please allow me to introduce the Tommy Lee of the FPL Hangover podcast. He's my podcast partner in crime. Seamus, how are you getting on, my friend? Yeah, well, all right. Not too bad. Green Arrow City here. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'm in good form. How are you? Not too bad. You're a bit chirpier now that uh, that Jimenez banged a, a goal. I, I think he's on for two bonus points as well. Am I right? Yeah, he's up for he's due for eight. So yeah, that's all three of my forwards returning. Um, it was a very goals heavy week. I think everyone who you expected or thought might get goals got goals. But uh, yeah, I didn't get the biggest of green arrows. It wasn't a huge week for me. But uh, yeah, can't can't complain. You're not I'm not going to complain with a green arrow. Yeah, it's, it doesn't ever really come off well, Seamus. It seems like you're just screaming for pity. But no, you're right. It was Goals City this week. And uh, I suppose the question was, which strikers didn't score for you? Uh, you know, who didn't deliver? Pretty much anyone who was anyone got a couple of FPL returns this week. And uh, unless, of course, you're Alexander Mitrovic and uh, unlucky FPL manager that owns him, such as myself, he seems to be the only kind of... I suppose maybe just because I'm focusing on him and I'm I'm already starting off this podcast on a negative tone, Seamus, which I shouldn't be because I also had a green arrow this week, a pretty decent week. And uh, with the exception of Mitrovic, uh, all things are looking well right now. What was your what was your standout moment of the week, Seamus? Come on. I think your microphone is muted, my friend. Okay, I've been muting and unmuting my microphone here because I'm clicking away in the background um, while you're talking. Like, looking at next week's transfers, hmm, who would I take out? Hmm, what if I take this guy That's out? That's the perfect but, yeah. time to do it. Um, yeah, exactly. No, I've been, um, you know, I want, I can get Kane in next week. That would seem the obvious move. That's what I'm looking at. But I'm looking at secondary moves. Uh, my highlight of the week uh, probably was Kevin De Bruyne's injury. Oh, confirmed injury. Uh, <laughs> because that allowed me to then not overthink things and go, that's a straight move to Son who then I duly captained. And he was my highest point scorer this week with 13 points. So the 26 points from him was my first real captain success of the season. The first captain that got me double digits anyway. Um, so yeah, that's my highlight of the week. Finally nailing a captain. Yeah, that's a pretty good highlight to have. I keep forgetting that you missed out on Salah's uh, hat-trick in the first game week of the season. And uh, Alas. yeah, God knows where you'd be if that had, you know, if you'd had Salah in from the start and maybe this frown would have been upside down. But it's a pretty good, I mean, if even if it is a little schadenfreude-esque, it's a pretty good highlight. It could, there's worse injuries that happened this week that you could be claiming was your highlight of the game week. But uh, yeah, KDB pretty much nailed anyone that was sitting on the fence what to do. I was one of those managers who... 
was looking at Son, looking at Kane. Massive narrative, massive push going into game weeks, game week five. Like, you know, back spurs, back spurs. And uh, I was on the fence a little bit in the sense that was I willing to sacrifice a KDB, a Fernandez to drop to Son? Uh, and yeah, in the end, my decision was made for me. I actually even spoke to herself indoors and I said, this just made my game week a whole lot easier. It made my captain decision a whole lot easier because before the KDB injury slash son transfer slash son captaincy, I was struggling to to really pick one out of the likes of a Salah and a KDB when he was an option. So yeah, it made things a lot easier. But in the end, I suppose it also kind of it meant it was part of a herd move, which you know yourself, you kind of always want to... Avoid that unless it's completely unnecessary or completely, you know. Yeah, you want to be ahead of the curve, if anything. But yeah, look, it's it's a it's an easy move. Uh, let me just look at his ownership right now. He's on forty seven point five percent. He's picked up two million owners last week. That's after losing one point three million owners the week before. I'm sure he's got a ton of new owners this since uh, the game week deadline passed as well. I don't know what he's even on this week. That would require actually doing some research, but. If he hadn't, uh, if De Bruyne wasn't confirmed injured, I was probably more likely to get Kane in, if I'm completely honest. Oh, really? It was uh, an easier move to make. Yeah, I um, I was looking at, at the Kane, I mean, probably for someone like Danny Ings, which would have meant trying to free up money elsewhere. So I don't know how it would try to justify that. Could have meant going down from Calvert-Loon or could have meant going down from Barnes somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's uh, once the news was, this is why you hold off, you know, until later in the week to make your transfers. I wasn't you know, hamstrung by that. Um, but yeah, one thing I was saying to you, we'll probably get into it a bit more later, but if you had made early moves and then you found out De Bruyne was injured and you had some other injury dies from the international break, might have prompted you to play your wild card. And as it turned out, this was one of the, probably the first game week of the season where playing your wild card has probably worked out well for you. If you've got the guys who are playing in form um, for the last couple of weeks, that's worked out because... We, I said it to you beforehand, game weeks one, well, not obviously not game week one, but game week two, three, and four so far, has seen not too many successes on the wild card. Um, immediate successes, at least. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I misunderstood you when you initially said it to me, and I was going, what are you talking about? There's fuck tons of the season left. Uh, you can't say this is the week to have played your wild card, but no, uh, 100%. In terms of the narrative that was being pushed uh, I say it like it's a conspiracy, but the the general trends within the game uh, that were being kind of talked about and seen prior to the beginning of game week five all came to fruition. You know, Spurs, their players uh, got all the FPL returns that you wanted. The team didn't get the result they wanted to, but the players got the FPL returns. Anyone that went hard and heavy on a Spurs, uh, Spurs kind of wild card really came out top trumps. Even if you took a risk with the likes of Reggion uh, getting, what was it, four points in the end, even though he conceded the, the three goals, that's a pretty solid fucking return. And uh, yeah, as you said, Kane smashing it this week. Son smashing it this week. Uh, yeah, it, it all came out, uh, you know, top trumps for Spurs players. But I suppose on top of that, you also had the host of regulars that we've been talking about for a couple of episodes now. Also, staying true to form, the likes of your DCLs. You mentioned Danny Ings there. I mean, you can't be too disappointed. He got a, he got a seven-point return against Chelsea. 
Yeah, I'm very happy with that. You know, he's got a return, um, you know, in my team. So not going to give out about that. It was probably my low point of the week was involved in that match when it looked like Danny Ings was going to have a simple tap in uh, for his second goal of the game. When uh, Shea, when Kepa made that horrible mistake and it looked like Shea Adams was just going to play him in. But a calamity of like last ditch tackles, knocked the ball onto the post. Then Kepa came back and he messed up his clearance and it went back to Adams again. And it could have easily fallen to Ings for a tap in, but Adams then smashed it through in that. I immediately thought of you yeah. um, when, I, when I saw that goal because uh, he'd already had an assist. And you did mention that you were definitely going to get your chub on if uh, if he got a goal. I, and to get a goal and assist and the tree bonus, you must have been a happy lad. Very happy. That was my, my highlight of the week. I love when my highlight is the the opposite of your low light. That really puts a, a bit of a smile on my face. No, you're right. I believe my correct words were, I will jizz my pants if Ing, or if Adams scores a goal in this match. And uh, yeah, I got a bit of a, I got a half chub when he got the assist. And then as soon as that... Goal went in, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a fucking a, sh- a shower of. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into the details, but it, it, it was, was a full, it was a, a full only island scenario. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, big return from Adams. He got eleven points this week, and he kind of, I suppose, everyone was focusing this week on Werner. Especially in on FPL Twitter and all the forums and stuff, all you saw was congratulations, you've kept Ferner. Oh, fair play to you. You're a fucking FPL genius for holding onto a player because you probably had other fires to put out. Um, so he, you know, delivered the kind of points return you were expecting him to deliver since game week one, and no massive surprise because Southampton uh, didn't seem did they don't seem this season to be maybe like maybe they're not the best shout for a clean sheet, but who is a fucking shout for a clean sheet this season? Because it doesn't, they don't seem to, they're, they're few and far between. Now we saw Wolves picking up one tonight and we know there's actually three tonight. We had Burnley, West Brom and Wolves all picking up clean sheets. But uh, going back to, to, what was I talking about? Adams? Or was it West Ham? Yeah. yeah. Going back to the, no, Adams. to the Chelsea match, like I was not um, expecting much of a return. So when he picked up that initial assist for Ings, I was like, eh. I'll take it. He's probably on the way out, especially it was post uh, the Everton match. And spoiler alert, I already made my transfers this week and took Adams out for Calvert-Lewin on the Saturday evening just to kind of... You're shaking your head. No loyalty. I have... I had had loyalty, Seamus. It got me through... I hope he goes on a run. I hope he goes on a big old run now. Yeah, well, I really fucking hope he doesn't. Uh, and you know what? To be honest with you, for a five point, I think he's five point eight now. I took the two, the the point two hitting him. If he did go on a run, it would be probably a little bit sickening. But I'm saying that I don't see any signs of DCL slowing down. He picked up a, another goal this week, six point return for his owners. He's now over fifty percent owned in the game. That's uh, it's got to be worrying for anyone who hasn't jumped on the Calvert Lewin bandwagon yet, Seamus. Yeah, I I went and made the move a couple of weeks ago as well, and uh, yeah, I've had two games in a row where he's got goals. He hasn't um got any bonus in those games, so just the six points in each. But you know, Everton look different level this year, top of the league. That won't continue, but you know, I think they'll they'll do well. You know, for. The next while, anyway, their fixtures. Let me pull up their fixtures here again. Uh, what have they got coming up? Like Southampton next game, great game. Newcastle, you know, great game as well. Newcastle have no ambition. Um, then they've got a game against Man United that'll be tough, and then they've got three good games against Fulham, Leeds might be tough, and Burnley. 
Uh, Burnley have been very poor this season so far. So, yeah, Southampton we know can leak goals. And, yeah, Newcastle away can sound like a tough fixture. But United just battered them away from home as well. Newcastle, no ambition. Um, <laughs> and home, and, I, I think home and away is just makes no difference this season as far as I'm concerned. You're just based on team. I don't think... You know, the home fixture being a fortress, I don't think that holds true anymore. You came to me with a bunch of stats um, not so long ago. I think it was before <laughs> our previous episode. And you were talking about the differences of home and away. And as you said, the the you, your hypothesis was that there is no home and away at the moment. And I kind of, I shot you down. I uh, Maybe I shot you down a little bit too fast. But I don't know if... How do I phrase it? I suppose it's the fact that home and away, it's more, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words here. <laughs> I think it's because what's shocking me, uh, and I was listening to the Second Captain's uh, podcast today, and uh, a big recommend for any any sports fans out there. It's it's probably one of the top sports casts, uh, sports casts, podcasts in the world, as far as I'm concerned, listening to it. And they were talking about how... Like, would West Ham have come from 3-0 down if there was fans in that stadium? And I want to get your opinion on that, Seamus. I think, didn't they come from 3-0 down, like, last season against them as well? Or was it the season before? I don't know if it was home or away, though. And I don't know if the fans were involved. But I believe that's the second time they've come back from, like, a, like a few goals down against Spurs again. Uh, they kind of, it's a London derby and, you know, Spurs are, usually pretty quick starters in a lot of games so you know i think in most games most teams won't come back but yeah without any pressure even like you see when they scored a goal balbuena scored the header there was no urgency to get the ball back it was in like the 83rd minute or something like that or 81st consolation goal yeah you could even see a consolation goal he got the ball back it was just kind of okay let's get back we've got a goal back and it was kind of like uh, well look if we get another one you know maybe we can get a bit excited and it's when they got the second goal, then it was kind of like, oh, shit, we've actually got a couple of minutes here. We can do well. They didn't have that much belief at that that, that down. Um, they weren't actually that bad, West Ham, uh, particularly apart from the opening 20 minutes where they were just ripped apart. But that was more to do with how good Spurs were. Uh, they were actually provided good chance. I mean, I think there was somebody, I can't remember who, headed the ball like from a yard out. It was a yard off the line. The ball was put on his head and he headed it over the bar. That was only a few minutes before they finally got their their equalizer, uh, or they got their first goal. So that seemed like a kind of a case that you know they were creating chances. In fact, I have the uh, I was looking at the stats on this game earlier. Hazard a guess what the xG in that game might have been? Uh, in the in the overall game. Yeah. Uh, Spurs and West Ham. Three point two five. Uh, well, the xG was. To Spurs, one point six nine. This is coming from. Fantasy oh, sorry, Football sorry. Scouts. Yeah, I answered that on the maybe the whole game. Seamus, you can't throw yeah. XG questions at me. I don't sorry, fucking. Sorry. I hardly know what that stands for. Let alone fucking take a guess at what the fucking game was. All right. Well, the expected goals for the game was uh, Spurs one point six nine, West Ham one point nine. So West Ham actually had a higher XG in that game. Which kind of makes sense, seeing as you know Kane scored from outside the box. Um, what was their third goal? Well, uh, Kane's header was probably a high XG goal. Um, yeah, Son's goal was you know not particularly high, probably. What's your point? But like West Ham had a higher expected goals. I mean, they weren't bad. 
you know, Spurs did start brilliant and they should have seen the game out and Bale should have scored that goal when it got back to 3-2 to finish the game off. But it didn't happen and Spurs were just extra, you know, Spurs have just, uh, I read a good article on Football 365 and they were just saying Spurs are condensing their Spursiness and it's, you know, pure on a dead unadulterated spurs this year you know uh with what they did in the the newcastle game and now this game um so yeah look as long as they continue to score goals we'll want them in there in our teams yeah well that should have been the name of the uh the spurs documentary pure spurs unadulterated xxx that's the kind of fucking documentary i'm watching not your all or nothing shite it's nothing it's nothing lads that's what you've been winning but uh going going off of spurs we've had enough of them uh go back to united 4-1 bruno fernandez he's uh he, i mean when i say get off of spurs we'll be definitely coming back to spurs before the fucking podcast is over <laughs> but like in terms of game week five man united 4-1 didn't look like that would be the scoreline 10 minutes before the end of the fucking match um bruno fernandez owners such as myself would have been on the edge of their seat in terms of missing the fucking penalty like i don't know was that the first missed penalty this season um no, that's surely not the first missed penalty. Maybe is it? I can't. I don't have the stats at hand. I feels like somebody's definitely saved the. But no, so somebody saved the penalty at one stage. Martinez saved the penalty for Aston yes, Villa. Yes, right. One in stage the first against Lundstrom. Yeah. No, yeah, in the first game week, you're right. I think. Uh, but if for me, it was the first player I've owned who's missed a penalty, and I had lo- luckily I had two of them this week, but not the not the last. Not the- <laughs> fucking last that's for sure uh so when he did miss it i you know a little because he's a bit of a differential now in i mean maybe i'm blinded by my own mini leagues and kind of people around me and people the 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 stuff the things people are talking about in terms of son and and whatnot i mean before kdb's injury who was the prime candidate to be you know that you would downgrade to a son it was bruno fernandez and uh yeah uh, this week, you know, you said last week, you said, oh, well, I asked you, I questioned you. Oh, we got rid of Fernandez. That's a bit of a, that's a bit of a call. And he went, not even in my fucking thoughts. Not even in my fucking thoughts is what you said. You even put on the accent, which I was impressed that it came through text. But okay. he went and he scored last week against Spurs. And now he's got an 11 point return with a missed penalty. Are you second guessing yourself? I know they have tough fixtures coming up. Chelsea's up next, but Chelsea can't keep a clean sheet for the fucking life of them. Maybe Caballero's in goals next week, and they're slightly tighter at the back. But Fernandez is he is he making you second guess? Not you particularly, but should people be second guessing not having Bruno Fernandez in their team? Uh, well, you called him a differential. Twenty one point four percent owned. He's not that highly owned. Yeah. Um, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that United were missing game week one this season and people were probably planning on bringing him in. But then to see the form of the likes of Son and other players, you know, people probably changed their plans. Uh, but he's, you know, he's tipping away. He's doing quite, you know, quite well. Three goals, two assists. And that includes a missed penalty then as well this week. Um, so that would have been, what, three penalties in in four game weeks for him had he got that, uh, having scored against Brighton as well. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're still getting penalties. That's still happening. If you're going to want the players that have that, you know, he's a quality player. His goal was from open play this week, even after missing it. He got the assist as well with a great goal assist for Rashford at the end. Great long ball. He'll probably still tip away getting points. The problem for me is his price. I never thought he was a bad option, but, you know, I wanted Salah and De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. 
And if I was going to have two premiums like that, then he would be probably my third player. I don't think he would cover the position of De Bruyne or... Um, He'll cover De Bruyne if De Bruyne's out injured for a while. Okay, that's fair enough. But I don't think you want to go with uh, Fernandez instead of a Man City attacker over the course of the season just because I think Man City are going to get more goals and Sterling and De Bruyne would score more. But uh, he would be a fine third option if Son wasn't absolutely in blistering form right now. Fair enough, fair enough. I think, you know, that, yeah, that's that's all completely valid points, Seamus. That's that's what I'll give you. But let's... Br- you've got you've got a team there, Jared, before we move on. Like, you've got Fernandez, Salah, and Son. That's the kind of midfield you'd want right now without, um, without KDB there. Although their fixtures aren't great. On paper, at the very least. I was going to bring it all the way to your team, back to, back to the start, but no, you're right. I have a, I have a pretty solid team in the sense of my, I'm happy that I have three premium mids: Salah, Son, Fernandez. I mean, if the time comes when Fernandez has to turn into a Man City asset, such as a Sterling or a KDB, when he comes back, maybe maybe Spurs will have to boil. I have that price point. Price point. Price point. I have the price point in my team and uh yeah i'm pretty happy you have a barnes and trossard there so you're sitting with two heavies in the mid two you know middle mid-priced options do you think that makes your decision easier to go to like a a premium striker a la kane or are you thinking no maybe i should keep invest like go back and invest in midfield yeah i mean i've got uh rake of points in the bank at the minute that I can invest, you know, to my liking. 2.9 to be precise. You, you, know, say I can add that you to... mean millions. Millions. Oh, uh, millions, I should say. Yeah, I'm not expressing that very clearly. 2.9 million in the bank. Um, to add to Barnes, who's 7.0, that would get me up to 9.9. It wouldn't quite get me to Fernandez. Um, but, you know, seeing as I've got Reese James there, worth 5 million, who's doing nothing you know he could be downgraded to to get to bruno if i wanted to or i could downgrade one of my my strikers i've got three kind of mid kind of price strikers ings jimenez calverloon all got on the score sheet this week so that's happy days apart from the fact that all the strikers are scoring you know and you've got players and getting double digit hauls so you can probably get cheaper points there i don't know um so i think i'll probably just make with probably just want to go to kane yeah Kane is just looking too good to ignore, so I'll probably put that money to Kane, which means, you know, Barnes, if I had just got Grealish instead of Barnes in my wildcard, I'd be laughing. I'd be better off to the tune of like 25 points after two game weeks. Same with uh, James, Reese James in defense. If I'd gone for Sice instead of Reese James, I'd be something like 14 points better off or something like that. I you, li- you live and you learn. You do. I criticized you last week about the James move um, a little bit. I didn't give you too much shit, but I did. When I saw it, I thought, well, he's the one that, you know, if I'm wildcard and I'm a bit worried, he's going to lose his space to to the Chilwell that they've brought in. And I can't see him dropping Aspilicueta, who's their captain, I suppose, when Thiago Silva isn't playing. I don't know, actually, anymore. I know they gave Silva the captain in the in his first match, but whatever. I don't give a fi- flying fuck who Chelsea's captain is. But, like, I gave you a bit of shit. I think now it's coming to fruition. I imagine James Price... He's already dropped, if I'm wrong. I mean, you can you can check that up while I'm, while I'm spewing my nonsense. But as he, has. he has, yeah. So, like, he's going to drop again. 
I think. I think he's got a relatively high ownership. Like His ownership would have been building from game week one. He scored that cracker against Brighton in the first game week of the season. That's going to catch people's eye. He's 5 million. And I think um, there would have been people jumping on that. And I can imagine that this is one of those kind of those price points like i suppose sun and i guess we're still trying to figure out what way it's all working this year with uh, algorithms and price changes and whatnot but i will be surprised if adams doesn't drop again or not adams james doesn't drop again especially after a one point return because that's when it becomes lethal is that you can't actually even play him in the hope that he starts because you'll be too afraid that he'll come on for those last five minutes get the one point return prevent anybody any first sub or second sub, whatever way it works out. And uh, he has to be one of the fires in your team, Seamus. I mean, it doesn't look like there's too many fires, but he has to be a concern for you. Yeah, he is. Uh, he was my planned move this week. Uh, I was going to be uh, James to somebody. Um, I, I still don't know. I kind of want to get in on the, the Wolves defense. I'm not too keen on Wolves anyway. Like, watching that game tonight, every time I watch Wolves, they start off so slow. I mean, they usually are, have a good second half. They're usually kind of quite strong finishers, but they start off so slow. So if they concede early, you know, that's clean sheet gone. But I but think... no shit. If any team concedes early, okay. it's a clean sheet gone. Yeah, but if they're a team that's prone to starting slow, there's probably a higher chance of them conceding early. I don't. They don't concede too many second half goals, so it's regardless. So it's a kind of case of if they can just not lose their shit in the first half an hour or so, they usually kind of get better. Um, I think I want Sice. I just like he was. Why is he playing left wing back? You know, Marcel is you now now available. Does that mean Marcel is going to be back in there, left wing back, and Sice is going to be dropped, or is Kilman going to play? Kilman, as it turns out, has had three bonus points in his last two starts, two games he's played. So he's, uh, I think he's on 21 points from two games, like for 4.0 million. Yeah, big time. You know? Anyone looking at, uh, maybe not so much this week, but I feel, and I, they, a lot of, we've talked about it last week. I think Mitchell's time, uh, his, his days are numbered as a starting left back for Palace. And, you know, like, I think he was okay this week, uh, and for four million, it's fine. But you can uh, you you can't imagine him keeping Van Anholt out of the team, and I assume he will eventually lose his spot. And maybe Kilman's the way to move to. Um, it's something worth monitoring because I think the big question is once Marcel, who I I feel is going to be there starting left back, once he comes back, do they push Sice back into that left centre back role? Or do they drop him? Now you mentioned uh, yeah. a bit of a bit of news in the forum, Seamus. Sorry, you mentioned. Sorry, <laughs> I, 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 maybe I, you just blindsided me there. What are you on about? You what? mentioned before <laughs> we started recording that like there was calls yeah. for size to be dropped. Uh, oh, on the fan forums. Yes, excuse me. Yeah, not not yeah. the FBL hangover forum. <laughs> sorry, my apologies. I didn't know what you're on about. Uh, yeah, no, this is why I didn't go with. I mean, I, I was talking to can't remember who it was, and they were saying there's a lot of talk on the Wolves forums from a few games ago that Sice's lack of pace is causing Wolves problems in there, and that there's calls for him to be dropped. Um, I think this was in like game week three. He wasn't dropped, and he played. But then in game week four, um, they brought in Kilman instead of Sice, um, and then Sice pushed out to the left. Now I don't know why you play somebody with a lack of pace as left wing back, but they did, and uh, he played really well. And I think did he get three bonus or two bonus in that game, as well as scoring tonight, which got ruled out. Um, yeah, it's... for offside. 
that must have been uh, a hold your breath moment for a, a shit ton of FPL managers. Because yeah. I mean, I was I I'm a Potence owner, and uh, he was possibly on for the assist. You you said he took a deflection. He, you can shake your head. He was possibly on for the assist. No, he possibly yeah, yeah. was. He possibly was. <laughs> and I think ultimately, because he wasn't the intended target, I probably would have gotten ruled out. But you never know with these things. You never know. I'm fully sure that whoever makes those decisions d- does it completely independently of any rules that's my impression maybe it's one lad maybe it's a couple of wankers around the desk i don't know but i'm pretty sure they can they're flexible i mean at least that's what any lack of transparency is is making me think but i won't get bogged down i'm 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 teetering on the edge of going straight into conspiracy theories uh theories i think it's it's the half a bottle of vodka I'm not sure, yeah. but <laughs> just to bring it back, um, that's why I'm saying, look, James is a problem area for me this week. If I thought if Sykes was playing center back, if I thought Kilman was going to keep his place, I would just get Kilman. But now I'm afraid is that if Marcel comes in, Sykes could either be pushed center back and Kilman dropped or uh, Sykes dropped completely. I don't know which is going to happen. So I can't really move on either of them this week until I see what happens. And next week, maybe Marcel doesn't come straight back in. Who knows? So, it's a tough one. Uh, I kind of, like you said, that was my planned move. The rest of my team looks good. I could go Ings to Son. You know, Son, like Spurs away to Burnley. I think, you know, he's silly not to go for, for that kind of move. But Barnes is away to Arsenal for Leicester. And, you know, they were missing Jamie Vardy this week. Will he be back next week? I don't know. But they look pretty tootless without him with Iheanacho up front. So Barnes, while he did score in game week four in the last minute to have it ruled out, and he's been playing well, you know, that could be, that could be uh, Jack Grealish as well. If I decided to go that, like, have you seen Aston Villa's upcoming fixtures? Like Jack Grealish, this is the playing around I was doing with my team while I was waiting uh, while you were doing the intro, but Jack Grealish is, uh, instead of fucking listening to the intro. Yeah. Okay. I was listening to you. I can listen and tinker. Are you not familiar? Like I'm a pro FPLer at this stage. Uh, their upcoming fixtures. Two home games against Leeds and Southampton. Okay, Leeds isn't going to be that um, great a fixture. But it's at home. Then they're playing Southampton. Uh, okay, away to Arsenal, not that great. And then home Brighton. So that's four, or sorry, three home fixtures in the next four. And you would say, you know, not too difficult. Leeds, Southampton, and Brighton at that. Then away to West Ham, home to Newcastle. You know, those are some good fixtures. Lots of green in the ticker. Um, and I think even not just going by the ticker, I think there's some good chance of points there for Jack Grealish, who's playing essentially as a forward now. He's playing left wing, and he's just been given a lot more uh, license to attack. He doesn't come back and have to defend like he had to do at the end of last season when they were in a relegation battle because they have decent spine now again. And, well, they have actual yeah. midfielders now, which is uh, yeah. a nice change. It means you know it's not all reliant on him. He can he can hang that little bit forward, Seamus, and uh, you know hopefully things get fed to him more. But let me ask you, you you're talking about Grealish. Barkley has to have turned your head a little bit this week. An 11-point return? Uh, yeah, I mean, Barkley is as well too, but I would prefer Grealish. I think he's just, I mean, he's playing more attacking. Uh, Barkley looked fantastic in the game against Liverpool. Could have had a couple of goals. He had a goal. Uh, he had, a, I think he had four chances or four shots in that game. Yeah, missed a few, went from good positions. Uh, I'd like him too, but I don't really want to double up on Villa. Maybe you might with these fixtures, but these are definite options. And uh, I saw one or two people on Wildcard this week go for, um, mentioned they were going for and actually get Barkley. 
and to be rewarded with 11 points is, is magic isn't that for someone who's what, 5.9 million 6 million or something yeah it's it's. I think he's a little he's cheaper than Grealish as far as I'm aware I'm going to have to look at it a bit more oh yeah there's 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 a there's a 1.3 price difference that's but I think for that 7 million slot which is the slot I have in my team I'm looking at Grealish you know maybe I want to downgrade Trossard who's in my um my 6 million slot to Barkley that could happen too yeah fair enough so you're saying double mid, uh, Aston Villa all the way. That's brilliant. We can leave it there. Let's throw this out to the audience slash viewers. Ladies and gents, it's time for the Drunk Tank. First question this week. FPL Rogue. Now, I suppose I might as well set this one up a little bit. We got a a bit of stick, a bit of stick the during the week from this gentleman here, uh, all the way from I believe it's County Mayo, Seamus. I'm I'm correct with that, am I? I'm not mixing it up. He's a he's Mayo, a Mayo man. man. He's down. Yeah. In, he's down in Cork, though. He's down in Cork. But yeah, he's a, he he identifies identifies <laughs> as a Mayo man, and uh, I don't think he'd ever describe himself as a Cork man. I'll put it that way. Who would? Who would? Uh, maybe maybe someone later on in the questions might turn up. But uh, FBL Rogue gave us a bit of shit because we left out a... Qu- not just us. FBL Renegades. He also... He, he fucking got in on them as well. And I blame Renegades more so than Rogue because if they had just done their due gil- diligence and actually read his question out, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I'm taking the piss. Uh, it's FBL Rogue. I love the guy. He asks us, clean sheets are a rare thing this year. But which team, slash teams, and slash or player are the standout options if they were to come back into fashion? So he's asking us about clean sheets. And uh, yeah, there isn't a fucking lot around. Um, so Seamus, who's who's kind of taking your taking your eye in terms of rear garden? Who's rear garden for you? Uh, who do I like in the rear? Who do you like in the rear? Um, who, do, who would I like in the rear? Uh, well, I mentioned Aston Villa's lovely home fixtures coming up there, okay? Uh, Leeds and Southampton and Arsenal in the next three, they all can score goals. But they have had uh, a great start to the season so far. I believe they've kept three clean sheets in their first four games. Um, now, one of those had to rely on Martinez saving a penalty. So, are Aston Villa defenders the way to go? I had targets for game weeks, the first few game weeks, and he got me some clean sheets, and he was nice and cheap and did the business. Not a clean sheet from this week. So, I look at them first of all. Clean sheets are dead, by the way. Like, so I totally agree with you there, Rogue. Uh, Wolves have kept two clean sheets in a row and have two home games up against Newcastle and Crystal Palace next. So I'll be looking at Wolves. I just don't know who I want in Wolves. Mm-hmm. Don't want to speak about them too much. We said those. Um, yeah. Other than that, it's hard to see. There's not a whole lot. Fulham have two nice home games coming up. I ain't touching those guys. Um, I trust. I would go for a Everton defender um, if a Dean wasn't. Uh, Luke Dean wasn't so expensive, and B Coleman hadn't got injured, and most importantly, C they didn't have Jordan Pickford, who's a liability. Did you just say you would go uh, for an Everton defender? Yeah. Uh, what fucking? But then I had three caveats. Yeah. I... Did you just turn? Did you just turn off at that stage? No, no, I was listening to you, but I, I, I think I got kind of blocked when you said I would go for an Everton defender. And what the fuck are you talking about? Like those lads look so liable at the back, especially with that bollocks in goals. Do you know what I mean? They don't. It's just they don't look liable in the back. It's they look liable to concede because Jordan Pickford has a fuck up in any one game. Um, you know that's how they look liable. I wouldn't base it on the Liverpool game where, yeah, they're playing a good Liverpool team who created chances. But I'm... you know, Pickford is Pickford is a liability. That's the main thing. Um, 
the player that, like I would totally have Seamus Cole on my team if they if they had signed a new keeper um, before the end of the transfer window. But he's injured now anyway, so that's that's a moot point. Exactly, Pickford. They're, they're they're playing well and they've got decent fixtures coming up. So why wouldn't you? Because they, have they kept a clean sheet this season? I'm asking the wrong well, man. Here. I, I don't think I, I, have... I, if they've kept one, it's one. They definitely haven't kept two. And no, no one's keeping clean sheets, man. It's uh, it's dead out there. Like we, I'm pulling it up here. I'm pretty sure they haven't. Maybe they have. Well, that's uh, they kept the clean sheet in game week one against Spurs. Actually, yeah, yeah. forgot about that. So game. they kept one clean sheet. It's not just Pickford. Pickford is a complete liability. Yeri Mina is also a fucking joke. If you ask me, as a centre back, he looks like he doesn't know how to stand on these two legs. Let alone kick a ball. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, like Coleman, Dina, I think Dina, what did he get? Six points this week. A pretty seven. Seven. Yeah. So like, I do think he is an option, far more of an option if they were to, if they were keeping clean sheets, as we said before, and as, as um, lots of podcasts have said, like you, for Dina to be that option, you need Everton to look like he, keeping clean sheets. I genuinely don't think they look like keeping clean sheets, James, even against West Brom, uh, uh, like notoriously toothless side, they conceded two goals. Right. What about the fact, okay, that of their four starting defenders this season, Luca Dean has three assists from five games. Coleman has only one, but look, he's been injured kind of a lot in the last couple of games. No. Um, okay. Mike, Michael Keane and Yerry Mina have three goals between them. With like, what you know? Yeah. And why, where are they getting those goals from, Jared? They've got uh, Rodriguez whipping in quality corners and free kicks. They've got that set-piece specialist now who's taken. And this is what detracts from Luca Dean's um, appeal at the minute, is that he's not got as many corners because uh, James, you know, is taking them. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, 5.1 for Michael Keane. He's, he's gone up in price. Uh, he's attracting interest. Two goals already this season. And it could continue. I mean, if uh, I can't go there, but this is the question that's been asked. If they sort their shit out in defence, and you trust Carlo and Ciolati to get them If any team sounds. sorts their shit out in defence, you're going to look at them. That's, fa- that's a fair point. But I just think with Everton, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm completely wrong here. I do like, I did like that Coleman shout. I think the, his, that 5 million plus his attacking options was worth it. But we've seen now his injuries are kind of, like he, yeah. he he missed last week, came off early this week. Dina is that little bit too expensive for a team that aren't keeping clean sheets. But look, we 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 can agree to disagree. Agreed. And uh, in terms of Everton, for me, I'm of the opinion that like they, I don't know how quick clean sheets are going to come back to them. But like looking at other teams, I mean, we saw. Burnley keep a clean sheet this week, but they have a shit ton of uh, a shit bunch of fixtures coming up. Spurs, Chelsea, Man City in the next five. Uh, I do think Wolves. Like I think you nailed it with Wolves, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, and Southampton in the next four. Uh, they're all like I think, yeah, for the price point with Wolves, I like it. My only issue, as you said, is is the uncertainty over size. But um, yeah, if clean sheets come out, anyone else? Striking your fancy? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 it's, it's no problem. Uh, no, I mean, you kind of nailed the teams I'd be looking at in regards to, I think, Villa, a team I completely missed out on. I was a bit sickened to see Justin's clean sheet wiped out in the 80-odd minute this week because it was it was looking like Villa defence and Leicester defence were both going to pick up some points. That wasn't the case. Barkley smashed it in from outside the box. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Leicester... I don't know. 
Like they're on for they, they're okay. I'm just not convinced. Yeah, I'm with you. You're shaking your head, and I'm with you. Uh, no, I'm no, with you. I'm don't with like you. Leicester. I don't think. I think they've been lucky so far. I think they've been very lucky so far. And like I've had uh, Justin, and some people have had Castagna. Um, yeah, I, I don't see it continuing. I, another thing we haven't mentioned Leeds. Maybe I think um, they've looked good. They don't. Um, I think they're getting tighter at the back. Uh, they look good for large spells against um, Wolves today. Uh, they look good against Man City. I think they're getting more organised. I like Ailing. Um, so, yeah, I would be looking at maybe Ailing. Dallas went back to left-back today, I think. Uh, he wasn't playing in midfield, but he's looked very good when played in, in midfield and more attacking recently. So, one of those two. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I do think that uh, Leeds' upcoming fixtures away to Villa, home to Leicester, away to Crystal Palace uh, before Arsenal and Everton... It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, but I do agree with you in terms of Ailing and Dallas. Just well, Ailing looks you know super attacking. I think I'd almost go with Dallas just because of I I like you know to take that little punt and if if he's getting played in midfield or something like that, I'm going ooh look I got I got a defender playing right up there, uh, especially for like four point four point five four point six whatever he is now. So I'm looking a bit closer to at Dallas than I am at Ailing, but yeah. Well, they're they're the teams I think for me, and maybe you'd agree with me, Seamus. Um, Wolves are, I don't know. If I was to look at Wolves for points this season, and this is probably reflecting on Jimenez, and I know it's not what Rogue asked, but I'd probably be looking a bit closer to 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 their defense. They look like that's kind of their main focus is just building from the back, like it was, I suppose, before. But like they just look kind of solid there. Not so much an attack, you know. Yeah, they they never really bang in more than two goals in a game. They're usually pretty tight. They get a couple of goals. Um, they don't score more than uh, more than two often. I think only two or three times last season they scored three or more goals. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, up front, Jimenez is the guy to go for for them. I don't think you need to load up in fielders or anything like that. So, yeah, I'd go for a defender. We had a guy in our mini league today who had... Uh, I think he had Patricio on goals and he had Sice and you know, got 14 points from those two players. That's a nice points per million return. So I, I think the one thing I would say is he's asked, you know, clean sheet's gone. I think take your money out of your defense for the time being. When it looks like they might come back, we might want to go there. But with Van Dijk getting an injury for Liverpool, I'm worried about the Liverpool defense now as well. It is, and we will have a question on that coming up. But right now we've got Nuclear Atoms he is a regular uh, asker of the questiones, and he also has a YouTube channel at Nuclear Atoms. So check that motherfucker out. This week he asks us, and if I could pull the fucking thing up, it would have been there. I'll ask you. <laughs> you have it there. It's up on screen. But talk. Is it still worth thing? Is it still worth keeping Robertson, or is it better to go for someone cheaper like Cresswell, who's in who's on set pieces, and which Man City attacker should he bring in after the Liverpool game? And is Ruben Diaz a good option since Man City looked defensively solid since he's come in? So, I mean, yeah, the first part is it kind of related to what I said about uh, Liverpool's defence. Um, is it worth keeping him or should he go for someone cheaper like Cresswell for Chelsea, who's got a few assists and been looking very well since we'll, he's come in? What do you think of that? I think what we'll do is we will skip the Robertson bit, Nuclear, because we have another question coming up that looks at Liverpool defenders. But looking at the follow-up questions to that in regards to Cresswell, you know who's in set pieces for me like i'm if i'm going west ham defense i'm going mazuaku or masuaku uh 4.5 i believe maybe he's a bit more now but uh he 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 
like he's playing I think he's playing left wing back I mean like maybe I'm not watching the fucking right amount of West Ham matches but as far as I'm concerned he looked very much left wing back um, against Spurs at the weekend am I right there Seamus uh, I'm going to just double check. I have their average positions here in that match. I'm going to pull it up. Well, I actually read that question as Chilwell, not Cresswell. So uh, my mistake there. But in uh, yeah, that game, let's have a look at his average heat map. Because I was of the impression that Masuaku was uh, playing left back. That's left wing back. So let's have... Yeah, so then I would believe Chil- uh, Cresswell was playing left-sided center half. But I did see him get forward kind of a bit. But I think it's just mo- mainly the set pieces. West Ham are quite good at set pieces. So... He will continue to be... I'm not even pulling up the right fucking game. Jesus Christ. Uh, Spurs. There we go. Uh, <laughs> let's have a look. What number was... Uh, was he? Oh, dead air, Seamus. Absolute dead air. That's... He was... He was... He, he was playing left side at center half, but like he was, his average position was kind of on the halfway line. It was considerably higher than uh, Ogbana and um, Balbuena. He wasn't too far behind Masuaku. Masuaku's more advanced. But yeah, he's quite quite What price high is he coming for... in at, Seamus? Since you're, since you're clickety-clicking all the time. What price is Cresswell coming in at this week? Okay, I will ask you. Uh, Cresswell is 4.9. It's not a bad price, but yeah, I did misread that. I thought he was asking yeah. Chilwell, not Cresswell. Um, 4.9, their fixtures are still bad. I wouldn't be going for their defence until at least game week 8. Um, so if he's talking about game week 8, yeah, maybe Cresswell could be good, but... What's he got? Three assists on the season so far. He had zero assists last year, one the year before that. Yeah, he had seven the year before that, so he's got some pedigree. But yeah, he's still wet. I think there's other better options in West Ham. I'd Especially when you consider West Ham's, you know, upcoming fixtures. I know they're on a, a really decent run of form at the moment, but I mean, their next couple of matches are Man City and Liverpool. So, I mean, wait and see. Wait and see with Cresswell. You not you don't want to be getting him in for those two matches. But looking at the follow-up to that, he talks about which Man City attacker to bring in after the Liverpool game. And is Ruben Diaz a good option since they look pretty, you know, solid at the back? What do you think, Seamus? Man City, yay or yay? I don't like... I Yeah, I'm not convinced. Um, especially with De Bruyne out. Let's see a bit longer. If you've gone in on them early doors... Like on Man City, you're. This is what I've done. I've gone in on Man City quite early enough, and it hasn't been as rewarding for their prices as some of the other players who are actually playing well. I mean, they've got um, they've got four games, four goals in the last three games. That's not great for City. That's just over one a game. Uh, if you were on Sterling, fair enough. You've got their goal scorer in each of the last two games, and that's twenty points. But none of their other attackers are doing a whole lot much. Uh, now Aguero's back, that could change. But I want to see it. They've got uh, you know West Ham at the minute playing quite well and they're going to have a lot of um, what's the word confidence. So I think they'll be kind of not as uh, tough, a, not as easy a fixture. Sheffield United, yeah, they should batter Sheffield United. There's the cat. And then you've got uh, there's the cat. Everyone <laughs> say hello. Go on. And then uh, Liverpool at home is a tough. So yeah, after that we'll be a better position to see which attackers to go for. You're still looking at the same guys. Aguero, Sterling, De Bruyne. Foden may con- continue to be an option there. Let's see if he still gets minutes. And I'm not too pushed for the price for 5.5 for Diaz. I don't know. He looks good. What do you, did you I see? Did. I did. Uh, I watched the City game. And yeah, he does look good. I think he looks like what they're missing in terms of a, you know, someone that's going to fucking clear up any of those balls coming into the box, do you know? And he did have a really good game against Arsenal. Maybe they will chalk up a couple of clean sheets, but 
I don't know. I feel like Arsenal didn't really go for the juggler in that match, uh, which was a bit disappointing. I thought they, you know, with the rivalry between Pepper, you know, at least with the relationship between Pep and, and Guardiola, they'd want to kind of have at it. But uh, not not so much the case. With City, their next couple of fixtures, it's a bit of a mixed bag. West Ham and Sheffield United away. I could easily see him keeping a clean sheet against uh, the likes of Sheffield United. Maybe not so much against West Ham, especially based on you know their their performance against Spurs. But after that, they have Liverpool and and uh, Man City have Liverpool and Spurs. Uh, so you know I'm I'll, I'll wait. You know I'm gonna wait and see what the crack with these clean sheets are in a couple of weeks. Because right now, as we mentioned, you know in Rogue's uh, previous question, it's like it seems to me that they are drying up. Clean sheets, clean sheets seem. Clean sheeps. Now there's a podcast, but uh, clean sheets seem to be drying up, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to be splashing out on any expensive defenders right now. Next question. Thank you, nuclear. Thank you, rogue. Next question. DD regular at DD one nine seven eight A. I'm not sure if that was the year he was born, but at least it's it's a valid guess. Nineteen seventy eight, Seamus. What do you think? Uh, okay. yeah. Let's Why go with that. A, though? That's what confuses me. Like, where's the B? Where's the DDB? You know? I know. Is he's uh, A plus status? Fair. He's A Fair status. Enough. We get his A plus account. He asks us, he's writing in hope that Dallas and Harrison save his abysmal week. That isn't going to turn out to be the case, my friend. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, sorry, dude. <laughs> but... Uh, is it time to get rid of Vardy? And also, is JR now the new KDB? Hit me, Seamus. Is Hammers the new KDB? Uh, no, he's different price bracket. He's not going to get the same returns. I still think even with his two goals the last day, he'll still chip in with assists and he'll get the odd goal from distance. He'll probably prove to be quite good value for the price you're paying, whatever, 7.5 or whatever he is now. Um, he's not going to be new KDB. He's not going to be 200 points at the end of the season. I'd put money on that now. But, yeah, maybe he maybe he will. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't uh, I don't see it happening. Um, what's the other part of the question? Is it time to get rid of Vardy? I'm going to say yes. I mean, I voted with my feet. I got rid of Vardy on wildcard a couple of game weeks ago. Thank you for the points. Get out of my team. Especially with a calf injury. He seems to be managing kind of injuries and stuff a bit more lately. Getting older. Want to have some niggles. They're going to miss games here and there. And I don't like him coming back off an injury to, you know, hit the ground running. Like he looked the goal, the games he got all those goals. He didn't look great. He wasn't doing much. So yeah, there's better options out there for that 10 million. Switch over to Kane if you don't have him for a small bit extra. Even go to Timo Werner, who's now found the back of the net and looked very good in that game. If he's played through the center, I'd expect money. There's so many options. You don't need to persist with somebody whose next games are against Arsenal uh, in form. Uh, well, pretty much informed. They're pretty good this year. Uh, Leeds, who are looking tough to beat. Uh, Wolves at home, and then Liverpool at home. I'd be, I'd be going off them. I don't like Leicester more so than I don't like Vardy, and that's the main reason why. Yeah, I'd like to add something to that, but you pretty much smashed everything I was going to say. You even called out the fixtures, which I was like, "You son of a bitch! You took my line." But uh, he—that's fine. We can just, we can just move on unless you have anything that you want to say to counteract the. Those points. I basically shat on Vardy there. So even though he did so well for me the first three game weeks. Oh, he's like the only reason you're in touching distance of me, James. No, I do want to touch on something. And that's the second part of his question. He asks us to also please discuss your favorite edible snack with some cold ones. Now, I assume he's talking about dead bodies 
because what are cold ones are there, Seamus? Favorite? Yeah, that's uh, my edible snacks. Were to have while uh, with some cold ones. I don't even know where to go with that one. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a chips kind of guy. Or one thing whoa, I'm very whoa, partial whoa. to. Chips. It would... you clarify that to or non. Like, what the fuck do you mean by chips? Uh oh yeah. So I mean like wild card, oh, bench yes. boost, yeah, things like that. Enough. No, I mean uh, like potato chips is what I potatoes. actually meant. Like potato chips. Yeah, crisps. Fucking crisps to the layman. Chips. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. <laughs> potato chips. Hey, we're worldwide, man. If I say if I say fries, people are going to think. Yeah, chips. if you meant it's, that it's fries were your favorite edible snack with cold ones, you know we could have that discussion. Mm. But saying chips. No. Doritos or hunky dories or something like that. They're probably my favorite. Um, spicier the better but the other thing maybe uh i'm very partial to those yogurt or what are they fudge flavored pretzels yes. you ever have those guys yes. white fudge they're really really fucking nice oh, yeah. i do like them uh i'm you know me seamus i'm not one to eat or snack when i'm drinking when i'm drinking i'm focused on drinking oh. you know so i don't want anything soaking that shit up eating is cheating as as they say um Ooh. As you say regularly, when we're drinking, you literally, like, I'll be there, hey, I bought snacks over, man. I'll bring them over. And then at the end of it, it's like, man, we really got through those snacks. And you're like, I literally haven't had any of those snacks. And I've just eaten a huge bag of Doritos, big bag of chocolate. And, uh, yeah, you're just there. You're you're, you're a pro. You just focus on uh, your strengths. And that's why you're better getting drunk. Professional alcoholic. Yeah, you can die. It's in the genes. It's in the genes. But if I was to have if i was to indulge in a couple of snacks i'm i'm classic i'm scampy fries or bacon fries like anything that's salty that makes me want to drink a bit more you got it in yesterday big pack of monster munch haven't had that in 15 years so my fingers smell like an eight-year-old but like you know it was i was happy and i drank the rest of my beer after that do you know that kind of way yeah, I I could make some uh, dangerous jokes there, but I won't. Moving on. <laughs> Next question, James. <laughs> Who is it? It's Leon Mack. Give it to me. We've got we've gone for Leon Mack. Now Leon Mack is uh, gone for a lot of questions here. He's got four separate questions. One is double Villa defense viable. We discussed that. Well, I'll ask all four questions. Is the double Villa defense viable? Who takes penalties for City when both KDB and Aguero are on? Can Shea Adams match Ings this season? He feels he is unlucky not to have more points from him this season. And the top three must have players for anyone who's on wildcard. Where do you want to start with that? I think uh, we'll start with the uh, who takes penalties for City when both Aguero and KDB are on the pitch. We both agree on yeah, this, do we? KDB's, KDB's on. on. Yeah, um, Aguero was on the pitch a couple of times last year when KDB took a penalty. After Aguero went on a, a string of missing the fucking things. And uh, yeah, no, I'm confident that KDB is taking him once he's on the pitch. Uh, there's there's four questions here. Cheeky one, Leon. Cheeky one. But they're all pretty decent, uh, like straightforward cues. So we should bait through him. No, I'm, I'm KDB. You're the same, yeah? Yeah, I think uh, KDB takes him um, when Aguero's on the pitch. Until he misses one. Basically, yeah, which is you know to be to be decided. But is double Villa defense viable? I think we talked about this before the pod, and we both agreed. Depending on what you're doing, if you're going with like a Martinez Conza or Martinez target, where you're rotating your defender and you've got your constant Villa the Villa keeper, yeah, it's viable. Yeah, I think so too. In that regard, I don't think I want to be playing double Villa defense every week, but. 
you're playing one of them if they're they're cheap. Let's pull up their defenders there. I mean, Martinez was is the kind of informed goalkeeper here at the moment uh, in the league. 31 points from four games is just a great return. Um, let's have a look. So, yeah, Mings is also on 30 points. He has got a goal and an assist this season. Kanza's doing well too. Yeah, look, I mean, for Kanza, if he continues to play, he's 4.6. That could be brilliant. I don't know if you want to just transfer in a load of guys over the next co- coming weeks, but if you're on wildcard... You know, I'd probably have Martinez and goals with their fixtures and I'd have another defender there, either Kanza or Target, to kind of rotate in and out, like yeah. you said. I wouldn't be averse to no, it. No, 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 100%. I think, um, yeah, as you said, if you're <laughs> rotating defenders and you have your constant villa keeper, from what I've seen so far, they look super tight at the back. Uh, looking at their fixtures coming up, I mean, I'm assuming in that in my hypothetical situation that you've only got one playing keeper but looking at Villa's fixtures Leeds, Southampton Brighton in the next four sandwiched with an Arsenal and West Ham on either side of that Brighton match yeah I'd be pretty happy with uh, with a Villa double up uh, third part of his four part question can Adams match Ings this season he feels he's unlucky not to have more points this season yeah you and me fucking both buddy I've had him since the start you know where I stand on the Chambers but can he match Ings I don't think so. No, I think the price point will show over the course of the season. Like Adams is five point eight now, but he started at six million. Ings started at six point five. Um, there's you know, or eight point five. Excuse me. So what's this? Two point five between them. You know, I think Danny Ings proves the the points difference between them. Um, I think last season, like okay, fair enough. Uh, Adams didn't play. What he played? He only played a thousand minutes. He only got seventy eight points. Ings, on the other hand, got 198. So, like, he got over 120 points more. It'll be closer this year because Adams will get more minutes. But, uh, and it won't quite be double or anything like that. But you're going to want to pay more for the extra points, I think. But if he gets close to him, if, like, points per million, it could be close. You know, maybe just you're happy, you know, game week where Adams gets six points, but um, Ings gets nine. You know, you don't curse, like, ah, damn it, Adams got goals again. Maybe just go, or you're going to curse Ings. You just say, well, look. I got my six points for Adams. He only costs six million. Take the points and move on. You've invested that outer money elsewhere. Yeah, no, I've gotten rid of Adams this week, as I mentioned already. Um, but whether I think he can match Ings, like, like looking at it from a points per million kind of side of things, like in the sense that, yeah, Ings is two and a half million more expensive. Maybe he matches them in that regard. But Ings has penalties, you know, and I do think that's still a massive, uh, a massive advantage, a massive feather in your bow. And uh, for me, I like Ings is on target to have another fucking great season, you know, like so I've no reason to think that he can't continue what he was doing last year other than like Southampton as a team drop off. And maybe that's the case. I don't know. They came back and uh, drew that three three match. You know, they drew three three with Chelsea at the weekend. I think that was a great result for them. Um, and I still hold out hope. They've gotten smashed, and they've had some bad performances already in the first five game weeks. But that wasn't the case this week. And I do have McCarthy. He's had two clean sheets in game week four and three and four. So um, maybe Southampton keep it together. <sighs> like I don't know. As I said, I jumped off Matt Adams. I don't want to go up. I don't want to invest 8.5 in a Southampton attacker right now just because I'm not entirely sure what I'm getting from them. Uh, But I do feel he's unlucky to not have scored more. And 
Yeah, maybe like in six months, like you know, after Christmas, I'm looking back and going, "What were you thinking, Jer? You know, of course he's he's on fire. You got rid of him the week he scored his eleven point, uh, you know, haul, and that was yeah, the, the start week he started of it. it yeah. All. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. They haven't got the kindest run. Uh, what have they got coming up? It's okay. It's not, like Everton at home. You got to say that's so. a tough one. Uh, Aston Villa, they've won four out of four. You know, that's going to be a tough one. And Newcastle at home is a good fixture. And then the Wolves away, United at home, two potentially tough ones. United, you don't know what you're going to get, but they could be a bit better by come game week 10. Uh, Wolves are always going to be tough games. So it doesn't look like possibly a whole lot of goals in many of those games. So I don't see Danny Ings or Shea Adams going. That's why I'm thinking Danny Ings might be out of my team. Um, he just doesn't... I only got him in a couple of weeks ago, but just like Kane's fixtures are... I don't want to keep him back to Kane, but I will say this about Southampton. They had a higher XG than Chelsea this week for all Chelsea, um, you know, playing so well and scoring so many goals. You know, Southampton, they didn't close the back door very well at all. So Yeah, well, I think that's going to be the story of Chelsea's season, if you ask me. I think Chelsea will score a lot of goals this year. You see the fucking strike force they have. We've yet to see the strike force they have in terms of what I imagine the starting 11 is. Like, Ziyech, come on and get a couple of minutes this week. Um he's still like yet to start alongside Pulisic and I assume Werner up front with Havertz in the middle I don't know um we're gonna wait but I don't have much faith in Chelsea's defense that's that's the honest to god truth maybe that changes but uh in regards to to right now I'm holding off the last part of Leon's question top three must have players for anyone on wildcard Seamus first answer go for it off the top of the head um First player, Kane. Kane. That makes absolute sense. Second player, go for it. How about you? Son. Oh my god. That was that was gonna be my second player, but yeah. Third <laughs> player, boom. Cavalier. Oh, I would have went DCL ahead of Son, but uh just if we were gonna do it rotating, but I couldn't depend on you. I didn't know what you were gonna do to me. <laughs> I was like, no. No, that, I mean those. Are, I mean, I would con- probably include Salah in there as well. But the only reason he's not first three names is because you could make a viable argument for Mane. Possibly, you know, maybe you want both. I don't know. But Salah, oh, we've had. I don't want to get into this. We've had this discussion in the past. Salah, yes, with the penalties ahead of Mane in that regard. But uh, those three would be my first three. Salah would be a close fourth. I would disagree with you. You've reminded me that Salah's alive, and you know, I think he's the for me. Must have. He's the top. Um, I know he hasn't, you know, been really making the headlines as much as Kane and Son, but scored again this week with like the fucking craziest of chance. Just bang, smacked it in goal. Uh, he's looked crazy fucking sharp since the start of the season, and uh, yeah, I think he's the must have. But I assume I just I think I took that for granted. He's the must have player. You changed your mind. You went him. Now I know what you're saying. Mane is a viable alternative. Yeah, he is. Um, he's completely a viable alternative, and he will be for the rest of the season, barring injury and whatnot. But I don't know. I think, uh, like, harken back to the 2017-2018 season when Salah did what you know we all have come to know him for. I'm, uh, I'm, I want to see that again, and he looks kind of you know to me, it looks like he's hitting that level of form. So he's my first DCL, and as you said, Kane slash Son. I think Son's price point. Um, versus Keynes. It's only a million and a half, but 9.1 for Sun, which I'm sure by the time this episode gets out will be a little redundant. He could be 9.2, but that's crazy cheap for for a player delivering what he's been delivering so far. So yeah, I think we're kind of, you know, similar. 
Liverpool, DCL, fucking Spurs. Yeah, uh, if you're on wildcard this week, then you've got your captain probably sorted for the next two weeks with uh, Salah, with Sheffield United at home and West Ham away. But uh, yeah, next three weeks is uh, three great fixtures for for uh, Spurs. So Burnley away, Brighton at home, West Brom away. Yeah, your captains are coming from you know one of those three players in uh, in the next couple of weeks. But DCL's form can't be ignored. He's somebody for his price you'd have to have in. 50% of the game have him as well. So everything he does is just putting a nail in your coffin. And I think he will keep it up because everything looks good. So that's, I think that answers that question, Leon. I think there's not too much of a we both kind of have a bit of consensus on that um, as well. Who have we got next? Next, Jameis, we have a fellow Limerick man, FPL strategist, at FPL strategist. Um, he asks us, what are your thoughts on Liverpool defenders now that VVD is out long term? I can't believe we've done a, over an hour already, over a fucking hour, and we haven't discussed the uh, Van Dijk injury. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Liverpool defenders now, Seamus? Yeah, we won't get into the injury because it was a bad injury. Yeah, probably should have been red. If you disagree, we don't want to start arguing over this. We're gonna we're not going to the actual question. Hand point is point is he's injured now and he's going to be out for like what six or seven months or maybe longer. Um, yeah, they're not great without Van Van Dyke. Really shored up that defense and brought him on to the next level without him. They've already looked porous this season with him. Without him. Joe Gomez doesn't look very good this season so far, so it's going to be probably him and Matip. Uh, they've so Lovren as well. Ugh, I, I'm not confident in them at all. They will continue to... The fullbacks will get attacking returns. So if you had Robertson, he's in better form. But pff, I'm not very confident in Alexander-Arnold now. Clean sheets being gone is a whole lot less points there. He hasn't looked great attacking-wise compared to Robertson, so... I'm kind of on the side that until it looks like clean sheets are coming back, until there's like positive fixture swing, I'm not sure if I want too many of them. I'm going to keep Alexander Arnold, like I mentioned, two good fixtures coming up, but I would be considering getting off. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you there, Seamus. I mean, we have another question there from FPL Uncorked at FPL Uncorked. The star of our first. Uh, FPL hangover high stool and he asks us you know a similar question how many Liverpool defenders would you recommend in light of the current Premier League trends and in light of Van Dijk's injury and yeah I'm with you in terms of like I have uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold I'm looking at maybe wildcard this week maybe next week if I do wildcard this week I don't know if I'll have Alexander-Arnold. I'd have Robertson ahead of him just because I can shave that half a mil, maybe 0.4 or whatever it is now, off of my you know, tr- my, my transfer budget. So that gives me kind of a position. You know, it gives me something to play around with. I think Robertson's look crazy attacking. I am extremely concerned about Van Dijk being missing. We talked about this before the show. And if you look at like Liverpool's stats... Over the last couple of matches, or since Van Dijk's been there, they have a 75% win ratio with Van Dijk in the team versus versus a 46% win ratio with Van Dijk not in the team. So, like, I'm I'm worried. I know Allison is out too. I think that's supposed to be short term. So he's he's supposed to be coming back pretty soon. But even with Allison there, I think Van Dijk is a massive loss. I think Joe Gomez looks. He looks literally. No, it's not literally, but he looks half the player he was uh, before. But well, it's technically literally, literally, because nowadays literally means just emphasis as well as it does fucking, you know, literal. But yeah, he's 
It literally doesn't mean literal anymore. It literally anymore. doesn't mean literal anymore. That's, that's great. But yeah, he looks half the player. He's been fucking shit since the start of the season. And you got to wonder who their centre backs are going to be. Are they going to just push Fabinho back there? Because he looked like he can do a job. Um, yeah, he does. But alongside someone like Van Dyke, Van Dyke is the organiser. He's the guy who controls the line. Remember, they play a really high line. If they haven't got somebody organising that, which they didn't organise to great effect in the Aston Villa game, they don't organize that. They could be leaving tons of goals in because, you know, if that's not in line, then somebody's in. It's true on goal. They haven't got Allison rushing off the line. They've got Adrian in goals at the moment. And it's going to be another few weeks before he comes back. So, whew, I'm, yeah, if I was wildcarding this week, I think I might just get rid and then look to come back. I mean, they're not going to go up in price because they're not playing very well. But then the question is, do, uh, you know, are you going to be missing out Alexander Arnold? You know, on goals, assists. You know, he nearly had a goal against Everton. Yeah. Pickford make a great save. So it was a good save. I think it's also worth noting that from where I'm standing, sitting, technically, uh, Liverpool are on a bit of a downward trend. They have won eleven of the last twenty-one matches. Not great in terms of stats. Now, I know that a lot of those matches were the end of last season where they'd already wrapped up the league and there was a couple of cup matches thrown in there. But it is it has to be a little bit concerning. So while I don't fear their attacking threat, I think their defense is definitely something to, to you know, monitor. And I wouldn't be afraid of not having a Liverpool defender right now, whereas at the start of the season, I would have been petrified. But the second part of Kean's question uh, is, uh, is there any premium defenders from other clubs worth owning? Yeah, while I want to be helpful here and kind of go and list some guys who could be worth it, um, I don't want to sit in the fence and just kind of go, these guys could, and these guys won't. I'm just going to say no, I don't think there is. I'm... I'm kind of almost advocating for just take your money out of the fence and just chuck in cheap ones there. Five, there's some options around 4.5 to 5.5 value that could do well based on the fixtures. The only premium I'd really want would be Robertson. Even as we said earlier, Dean is just probably priced that bit too much. Dean has incidentally scored more points in the FPLs this season than Robertson. Um, but yeah, Robertson and Dean are the only defenders worth more than six million in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I'm gonna say top fifteen. Let's go down <laughs> a bit further. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Top twenty. Why? Why do 25. I have to listen to this? Top twenty-five. Top twenty-five defenders. Only two players over six million. No premium defenders are, are proving their value at the moment. So I can't advocate for anyone. And I won't advocate for anyone. I'd say take your money out of the fence unless you're confident that the goals are coming for Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, or which I don't think Fair enough, have. fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think he's given you a pretty good rundown there, Kian. You've got all of the numbers. Uh, last question. Uh, well, it's not the last question, but it's the last question I have a picture for. And uh, that's from, as I already mentioned at the top of the show, at Renegades FPL, the beast from the east. How are you finding all of the carnage this season as podcasters or do you just do your own thing regardless? Do you find it harder to pod give advice when it's so volatile? Is there more pressure to nail it because people are struggling and does Jer even care? Um, I can answer that last bit. No, no, I don't care. Yeah, I could have answered that last bit. You don't care. Um, I care more. So it hurts me more when I'm not playing well or having a bad season. Definitely. And when that happens... Twitter is the last place I want to be. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is. It does make it harder doing this podcast because you 
I find the best remedy to a poor game week or poor start or several game weeks or just when decisions aren't going your way is to take a step back, you know, look at matches today, look at the stats, but uh, not obsess over FPL, um, which is kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to play my wildcard early as well. Because now I'm like, okay, I don't have to look every week. Is this the week to play my wildcard? Is this the week to play my wildcard? Now my team is set. One transfer per week, two if I want to take a hit. Um, yeah, that's 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 how I find it. You generally don't. I don't think find it as uh, I don't know stressful. No, no. I have a thing called perspective, Seamus, where I can put this mm. little game, uh, you know, to the back of my mind. I'm joking, of course. Like I'm the kind of person I said it before. I get extremely. Uh, you know, in the moment, I can be furious and I can be, uh, you know, de- delirious, uh, you know, deliriously happy. But then I'll just, you know, it goes away because it doesn't fucking mean anything. It's a goddamn game. Um, so as a podcast, do I find it harder to give advice when it's so volatile? Like a little bit. I mean, it it means I end up vamping and talking shit a lot more. But I suppose you'd have like you'd have to go back and listen to you know other episodes to to see any difference in, in you know comparisons to the volatility of the season. But like I don't know. I mean I I think it's kind of there's such just so much more information out there to just talk shit. So I mean if you want to be planned and have you know themes and topics you want to talk through, yeah, it's probably a bit tougher when it's volatile, but. You know, if you're just looking at it from a kind of week to week basis, like myself, nah, it doesn't really bother. Pressure wise, I no, there's no fucking pressure, man. It's a guy for fuck's sake. Like it's what fifty percent, yeah, luck, fifty whatever variance luck, probability, whatever word you want to put on the fucking thing. You, it's like poker. You can't, you can't beat yourself up when you play ace king and ace queen cracks it. Do you know? No, I, I find there's no pressure to nail it because people are struggling. I mean, we're giving our advice at what works for us, what we think, you know, what, how we see the game, which players we think are good options and which players we don't. Um, yeah, and there's times like I last year, second half of the season, before they went on an amazing run, I thought, you know, Martial probably wasn't going to be a good option. He went on an amazing run. Um, so you get things like that wrong from time to time. But dynamics and teams can change. And I think two weeks later, I was like, okay, I'm wrong about this. And uh, I would be going on him if I could. So there's no pressure to nail it because people are doing well. I mean, first and foremost, I'm more interested in my own team than I'm interested in all your all teams. Oh, you yeah. know, if you're all kind of, uh, but we do, we all want to, we want to make your teams better. And we'll tell us your, we'll tell our honest opinions on these things. But yeah, no, I mean, there's more pressure on myself to do well than there is on uh, giving out quality advice. I mean, at the end of the day, it's I find I do find it harder to pod when it's carnage like this and I'm not doing well because I just find it harder to get myself geared up to talk about this. Um, but if you're listening to this, you'll know I'm more than able to talk shite about this once I get going. So it's just more about getting into the studio and getting in the right frame of mind and getting excited for it more than um, to give advice we'll still tell us exactly what we see how we see it and who we think are good and who we think are overperforming yeah, and we'll probably be wrong about most of the things you know that that's the reality of it i listen mm-hmm. to far too many fpl podcasts per week that are healthy for any frame of you know any cog you know cognizant frame of fucking you know train of thought um and i very i don't know any fucking podcast out there that knows what the fuck they're talking about you know like they all are susceptible to you know errors in judgment mistakes and these are players 
like yourself, Drew, who I'm sure is a lot fucking happier now because he smashed it this week with a hundred plus uh, wildcard returns, absolutely nailing it. He's going to feel he's going to be buzzing, looking forward to this week's Renegades podcast. So check that out if, if you're not already doing it. But like, pfft, you know, last week you were whinging. So, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? What fucking, what sense does any podcast make of it? You know, look at uh, FBL Chieftain, last year's podcast. He takes a break from podcasting this year and he's fucking nailing it as well. So, I mean, like, what do you, what do you take from any of this information? Do you know? Seamus, take. Yeah, yeah I think if, if you're not doing a pod, you probably. And they're both in different situations. That's though. what I was like, going to say. If you're not doing a pod, for example, no. yeah, you might find it a lot easier to go with your gut and not have to justify decisions and, and things like that. And maybe that's working for him. But uh, certainly hasn't affected Drew last year. I don't think he had a great start to the season and that kind of improved as it went on. But would have been a poor season by his standards. Um, this year, he's off to good start now with this game week at least and we both said it you know he's i think in when we get to our fpl hangover mini league he's entered the top five or ten and we're like he's the sort of manager with a good pedigree that once he gets into a good position he'll just go from strength to strength so he's not chasing you know he's going to consolidate leads and hold people off so that'll be interesting to see how it works for him and uh yeah look yeah it's harder to pod because you don't want to get in here but uh, it's not harder to give advice i mean i don't even look at what we <laughs> what we're talking about is giving advice no. I, th- I look at this the same way when we started this pod I said this is you and me talking about what did we see in FPL this week and if that helps improve our mini league rivals and make things a bit more competitive in our mini leagues and uh, things like that and help other people there too we're all for it we're all yeah, for that no, exactly this is the equivalent of just a you know, it was always meant to be just a chat like we would have had anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? A few cans. What the fuck's going on in FPL? But, uh, yeah, he'll be buzzing this week. Seamus, I think that's nearly the end of the questions. You have a few there that got that DM to you. a couple you. of quick, quick ones. Quick them. Yeah, a couple of quick ones. I know we're, we're running low on time here. But I don't want to be accused again of uh, ignoring questions like we have mm, in the past. Um, Tom Moriarty asks, is the Sun and Kane show sustainable? Yeah, it is. Yeah, in a word, yes. Burnley away. I mean, Burnley away, it might be... They've been good away from home. It's actually been at home this season where they've been poor. Um, they've dropped points at home. They've lost to Everton. They've drawn with Newcastle and they've drawn with West Ham at home. Away from home, they've scored five goals and six goals. So, <laughs> Burnley have been poor this year. They could be hit for a few goals again, but they just kept a clean sheet, so maybe they won't. They kept and, a clean yeah, sheet against I West Brom, so let's not go fucking mad, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I think uh, Burnley have at times uh, frustrated Spurs in seasons past, but at times I think Spurs have like smashed them as well. So I think Burnley away, Brighton at home, West Brom away. Yeah, you definitely want probably both of those there as well. Yeah, so I mean, even though, yeah, I think I'm going to have to get Kane in for these. Uh, with De Bruyne out, he's a nice little uh differential or well it's not a differential because i'm sure he's going to go up and up and up so yeah i'm going to say yes at least for the next three burnley brighton west brown and then before city and chelsea so yeah i'm i'm with you there seamus next part yeah then uh the then we also have a question from fpl crypto which is kahal uh irish guy living in uh, canada he's also got his youtube channel there as well uh where he talks about fpl and does he still go on about talk about cryptocurrency? I'm sure it's a lot more FPL um, from what I'm aware. It's a lot yeah. more FPL. True that. Uh, he's asked, take the Werner points and run, or should we hold in lieu of Kane and Aguero options? 
um, now that we see him back in the centre leading the line for Chelsea. He also asked about best budget defender between four and five million. We've kind of touched on that, but we can we can give our, our number one picks in there that as well in a minute. But Werner, start with. I think keep hold. Like they've united again. They've united this week. Um, that's not as tough as it sounds on paper. I think that could be there could be quite a few goals from both teams in that. I feel like they'll both go for it. I mean, I can't see United trying to keep Chelsea out, and I can't see Chelsea actually keeping United out. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't be worried if I had Werner. I've already jumped off him, as a lot of managers have. But you know, the United match is followed up by Burnley, Sheffield, and Newcastle. So. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a hole. But, I mean, if the option is Kane or Werner, I'm going Kane. Uh, it's as simple as that, uh, especially for the next three. Uh, yeah, I'd take the points and run um, with Werner. I don't know. I would also be worried about, is he just is he going to nail that center spot or is Lampard going to give some minutes to Abraham? And, you know, Giroud is still sitting on the bench as well. But, you know, that kind of stuff worries me a little bit, especially because Werner is that little bit... Uh, versatile so he could be playing on the left he could find himself you know playing kind of behind the striker as we've seen already I don't know um, I'm not entirely convinced I, I'm going to take the points and run guys Seamus what about you yeah I don't trust Lampard uh, one bit with that with yeah. that team um, their fixtures yeah as you said that United fixture isn't as tough as it is on paper they've got Champions League as well to contend with um, you know, they've got um, Sevilla this week. Uh, they've got Krasnodar uh, on the 28th. So they've got uh, they've got games coming up either side of the Chelsea game. And you're going to think he's going to want to play in those games. So he could see his minutes managed in those games. Uh, Harry Kane, yes, they're in Europa League. So maybe he's going to be playing some games as well. But there's always a chance now that they've got that new striker, Vinicius, that he will get rested a small bit more um, for the league campaign. Uh, possibly until the later stage, latter stages of Europa League. Uh, like you said, to me, it's a straight choice between. Um, you know, there's no way I would go for uh, Werner over Kane, but it depends. Are you wildcarding, Carl? Are you just keeping with your team? I can't recall if you've wildcarded or not already. Um, if you've other fires to put out in your team, maybe you want to keep um, Werner. I don't know. I just see Kane getting a lot more points. I think it's it's the obvious move for a reason and. Yeah, Werner will chip away. I'm sure he will, but I just think Kane's going to get more. So go for Kane. Aguero, what do you think of Aguero? Uh, as I'd an wait and see. I mean, we know what Aguero's capable of. I think that, like, as you said, you know, a little bit depends on what you're doing. I feel like the question was more kind of, you know, do I take the points and run like, and say, thank you, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'm done. I wanted to go to Kane in the first place, and now I'm doing it. Uh, should, I, should my head be turned by Werner's Hall? And if that's the case, nope, I don't think so. I think you knew this was... Uh, a possibility um, the fact that he delivered against Southampton isn't a massive shock um, so yeah but it, it doesn't change my mind I do kind of worry about Chelsea a little bit there's a there's some Chelsea assets I think I'd be almost more interested in but that's a question for another episode because we are running pretty pretty long here James have you got anything <laughs> more before we start wrapping this up no just is there one defender under Five, between the four and five million range that uh, you think is the best budget defender? Um, no, I mean, like, the best budget defender? I mean, I've been wrong about the ones I have, like, in terms of, like, I don't, or the ones I don't have, like, I don't have Villa. They've been smashing it. I don't think you should be, we've discussed everything. I don't think you should be looking at them. Um, I think Villa, 
looking really, really fucking tight. Um, to be honest with you, like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they'd be the ones I think if I, from the ones I don't have, i.e., the Justins and the, the Walker Peters and all that stuff. I have them. I'd almost take a Villa defender over any of them right now. Whether I'd make that transfer, where I'd use the transfer on that, is a different story. Do you get me? Yeah, yeah. You break it up there a bit. I don't know. Hopefully my internet connection is good here. Um, I'm wondering if I go for Kanza for Aston Villa, for James, with their nice fixtures coming up, am I just walking into a bear trap? Is that just a trap waiting to happen where I'm just going to go, why did I waste a transfer in getting an Aston Villa defender and then just use another transfer in a few weeks to get rid of him? What do you think? Um, I Last week, I would have been a bit more concerned um, about it. I would have felt a bit more unsure. I think keeping that clean sheet against Leicester has really... It kind of opened my eyes a little bit to how tight they are at the back, Villa wise, or, or Villa, you know. So I don't know. Um, I hope you, whatever decision you make, is the wrong one, Seamus. So you know, keep me informed. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm thinking now could be the time to go in on those Ailing and Dallas transfers for for four point five. I think that's kind of where I'm leaning myself, Kyle. I think they'll start looking good. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say those guys. I'm going to say Dallas. No, I'm going to say Ailing Because every time I've seen Ailing, he's just... He does. Looks he looks attacking. crazy attacking. And make sure to check out FBL Crypto's YouTube channel. It's top class fucking video shit there. Uh, last but not least, folks, we have the FBL Hangover Podcast Mini League. There is the top 10 in front of you for those with ears and not eyes still in number one position is Damien McCallion from Dunfahy 11. He's got 348 points. Now, these scores are prior to the Wolves match, I believe. But I don't think much has changed in the middle. He's still top. The Vendra Ray is in second place with We Live on Earth 616. In third place, another Limerick man, Ian Walsh. Fushun Chups, 327. Fourth place, we've mentioned him already. He's having a smashing season. Damien, FPL Chieftain, 318 points. Fifth, again, another fucking person we've already mentioned. Drew Renegades, 316 as well. Austin, 316. James Stevens, Tiger James, S11, 313. Six is Liam Herridge, Lane Lyons, Paul Galloway, Gallo Vidian. He was there last year. He tried to sneak two teams in, but we booted one out. He's got the one in this season, 311. Eighth place, Ben Rim, Sitting Ducks FC, 311. And 10th, Tony Clark, Clarkies County, 309. There will be a cup coming your way this season, sir. That's right. We've picked up our first official FBL hangover merchandise. Seamus, you've got the cup there to hand. We've still got to hand this out to the last season's winner, Alan Finucane. He's still there. He's having an okay season. Seamus, get that closer to the camera. Get it closer. Closer. Okay. Oh, it's disappeared. It's ah uh, no, I gotta, I gotta, ha- I have to be in a certain rate. Stupid background image thing it's is there. anyone yeah. listening you can see it for those who aren't let me describe it to you it is a fantastic and subtle porcelain mug with a nice black overtones and uh yeah you know you know what you get it's a fucking cup you can drink tea out of it and uh that's there we'll be telling you more about it folks next week look we're running long Seamus you've got all the nasty details where people can find us yeah find us on YouTube okay at the FPL hangover uh, podcast you'll find us on there that's where you'll see us in the flesh live on screen 
sports and all. Uh, you'll also find us on Twitter. I'm at FPL Drunk, and you'll find the podcast at FPL Hangover. You can hit us up for DMs there if you have any questions. We'll throw out posts every week, uh, like and share, all that shit. We're also on uh, all the major podcast platforms, including iTunes this year, which we weren't on last year. So if you can like, share, rate on the iTunes store, things like that. And uh, yeah, on Spotify as well. Per- Anything else I'm leaving out? You can email us on gmail.com if you'd like. No one, no one does. does. That's perfect, Seamus. You can also join the mini league on the code EH4HH7. That'll be closing shortly. And yeah, thank you for listening, folks. Enjoy game week six. We'll see you next week. God bless. Oh!